The following podcast is part of the Joy Road Media family. Enjoy. Welcome to Camp Creep, a podcast focusing on anthology horror. Starting with Tales from the Crypt. I'm your least favorite camp counselor, Tish Delano. And I'm still the other camp counselor, Lauren Jewell. <laughs> Yay. Woo. So how is your day, Lauren? So, camp counselor, Tish. Yes, camp counselor, Lauren. I'm going to try to not say anything negative, except for this one thing. <laughs> okay. So my car is fucked. Yeah. But it has also been deemed safe enough to drive. Yeah, it's not enough part that really gets me, but uh-huh. okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. um, I can't go very fast. So I don't live super far away from where I work, but I live far away enough to where I can't get on the highway. So it took me like 30, 40 minutes this morning to get there. Boo! I also had a car related thing today. Oh thank- God, no, I love your yeah. car. What's no, wrong no. with yours? Thankfully, my car is fine. It's our highways that are screwed up. Oh, so- well, yeah. Yes. So I am in the Moderna trial, the vaccine trial, get vaccinated campers. So I had to go for my blood draw today where they're checking my antibody levels. And what normally would have been like a 15 to 20 minute drive took me 45 minutes. I got on five different highways. Why? So the on-ramp near me is closed. So I had Mm -hmm. to get on a different highway. And then I was supposed to get on a different highway from that one, but that on-ramp was closed. So then I had to go in the opposite direction. (laughs) I had to go north (laughs) instead of south and then get off at the next exit and turn Turn around and go. Like, it was everywhere I was supposed to go. Like, a highway was closed or there was, like, horrible construction. We were down to one lane. I'm pretty sure even the way I got onto the highway eventually was different because there's so much construction on the major road next to my house. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I was really hella late. Thankfully, they don't care. They just want my blood. So that was that was the start of my morning. (laughs) I was like, this is going to be a great day. I can feel it in my bones. That's that's why we are determined because (laughs) taking a look at the bulletin board, you have an announcement. I do. So our next episode, which is season two, episode eight, mm-hmm. we have our very first ever guest. Like a legit guest. Like we did have Zelda on here a few yes. weeks ago as a like call in, but we're going to have a person here in my apartment, a third body here on the grounds of Camp Creep. <laughs> That's right, you get a special guest camp counselor. We've both known them for a long time for very different ways and different reasons. Yes, so I'm just excited, one, to hang out, um, because, you know, I haven't done a lot of that in the last year and a half. (laughs) So I'm excited to hang and I'm excited for us to take our first step into having guests. At the end of the episode, we'll say who we're going to have on. So you'll have to listen, campers. Skippers, skippers, I'm talking directly to you. Do not skip to the end. We will be very disappointed in you if you do. That's all I've got on my bulletin board today. Nice not to not to have to give any content warnings, so that's fun. Yeah, this episode's just kind of there. It's a it's a true crime episode, I guess. That's true. It's interestingly enough though, the crimes that I can think of that 
it would have been based on happened long after. But I'm saving that for my little creeperosity. That's right, campers. This is an extra special episode because I actually have a creeperosity. All right, are you ready to go creeping through that crypt? I'm ready to go creeping through the crypt if you're ready for your creeperosity. Yes. All right, so first off, I want to thank the internet for already asking this question. In the area of Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is on the west side of the state, Marty Durham was found shot to death in his home in 2015. Weeks later, his parrot, which was an African gray, began squawking in voices that appeared to mimic an argument between Durham and his wife, Glenna. Durham had been shot five times. His wife had been shot in the head once. She claimed to remember nothing about the shootings. After his murder, the parrot was sent to live with Durham's ex-wife, Christina Keller, who was adamant that Bud, which is the parrot, had witnessed (laughs) Glenna shooting Marty before turning the gun on herself in a failed suicide attempt. Look this case up because you can hear audio recordings of this parrot. I think it's like screaming something like, stop, don't, don't shoot, don't shoot. Like, it's bananas. Glenna was found guilty. Now, in a lot of news reports, they sensationalize it and say it's because of the parrot. I do believe they found actual evidence, Mm -hmm. like evidence. And I mean, the circumstantial evidence is pretty, pretty um, harshly against Glenna. And she was sentenced to life in prison without parole in 2015 for Marty's murder. Well, shit. Like I said, I can't remember, like, and it wasn't listed in this, whether or not, you know, the the testimony of the parrot was admissible. (laughs) But I remember, like, it, I mean, this was a huge news story. I highly recommend looking it up. It is fascinating. I think they did like a forensic files on it. Which by the way. (laughs) Oh really? (laughs) I I am wearing my forensic files and chill shirt that I got from Vera's Eye Candy. It is like my, one of my prized possessions. This is season two, episode seven, The Sacrifice. And this is your synopsis. This episode of Tales from the Crypt is based off of the 10th issue of Shock and Suspense Stories. And gosh, will it have you falling in love on many levels? (laughs) (laughs) Hotshot insurance salesman meets up with a client and his oh-so-attractive wife. The salesman convinces the wife that her husband should have an accident so they can live happily ever after. Oh, but what's this? There are shenanigans and they're ensuing. Everybody gets what they deserve. (gasps) Wow! Shock gasp. Shock and suspense. (laughs) (laughs) So we open in this episode with a Food Network show that I would have watched. Totally. 100%. Cooking with the the Crypt Keeper. Hello. Yeah. He's making like a snack. But listen, listen, Crypt Keeper. Forget about making the snack because you, sir... (laughs) Are the spooky snack. Aww. But question, would you eat anything that he's cooked, one, in that kitchen in general, because ew, and secondly, what he was cooking at that time, bladder of cobra was one of the ingredients. You know, I would at least 
smell it. Nah. Uh, hard hard pass. Hard pass. Like, <laughs> like I mean, just throw some mayo and some raisins in there oh, while God. you're at it. Like, that sounds like a white people food now. Yeah. Yeah. No. But you know what we both didn't mention that is also in the crypt with him? What? Nelly the goat. There's yes. a fucking goat. <laughs> that was my next little note is that his final ingredient is supposed to be the blood of a virgin goat, but apparently Nelly has um experienced a touch of another goat, I guess. So <laughs> Nelly she has saved. kids. He, he, he called her out for being a hoe. <laughs> we wow. don't sex shame here. Right? You're fine, Nelly. You are fine the way you are. Anywho, sorry, I got really emotional about that goat. <laughs> <laughs> Nelly was really fucking cute. Totally she fine. She was. So now we have the episode, and it's very summery and very city. It's a beach, and there's this dude, and his name is James Reed, and he's driving this very snazzy car, which I believe you have the name of. Yes, it is a yellow 1961 Plymouth Fury. It is gorgeous. So yeah, he's driving through the streets of LA. He pulls his beautiful car into a valet area of this fancy-looking high-rise, and James is looking all snappy in his suit. So he gets on an elevator, and as it's about to shut... He sees a very, very pretty woman. Mm -hmm. So she's able to get onto the elevator and he's super fucking creepy about it. Oh God, he's so... Yeah, he points out that he pressed PH1 for penthouse one Mm -hmm. and she pressed penthouse two and he starts asking about her neighbor. Sebastian Fielding. So she immediately calls him out. She's like, oh, you must be a salesman. And then he brags about his sales prowess and literally the look on her face just screamed I should have taken the fucking stairs and she gives him the cold shoulder like I don't I don't want to talk yes. to you yes so James arrives to the penthouse and some loudmouth jackass greets him turns out that's the client Sebastian Fielding yes he's in this fancy penthouse apartment and he's dressed in jeans and a sweatshirt. He has a very strong rednecky southern accent and he refers to his penthouse apartment as a quote unquote whore's dream. They then just get right down to business because there's only two things that awe Sebastian. Do you know what those two things are Cam Cancer Lauren? Ooh, is it Money and pussy? Can we say pussy? Is that going to get us kicked off of Apple? I mean, we say fuck. Okay. When I uploaded us the first time and did all of our settings, (laughs) I did select XSplit. There we go. Yes. So, yes. Money and pussy. (laughs) (laughs) It's... It's a wild ride, campers. It's it a is. wild it fucking is. ride. So Sebastian takes James out on his balcony to show him his view of the money, pussy, and bullshit capital of the Western world, aka Los Angeles. So James double checks with Sebastian and is like, so you own this penthouse and everything inside it, right? And Sebastian drops this next note and says that he also owns the one next door, penthouse number two. Yes, because he doesn't like nosy neighbors. Which is uh, rather an interesting thing to say mm-hmm. later on. Yes. And then Sebastian shows James his parrot collection? Menagerie of parrots? Yes. And 
my favorite part is that one of the parrots is just so happy to see him and he's squawking, money and pussy, money and pussy. Like that's, that's the kind of bird I would want one day, but I am not a bird person. That's, that's fantastic. I have that in all caps of parrot screaming money and pussy. <laughs> oh, fuck. That is truly the highlight. That is the high point of this episode. Yeah, the parrot really stole this whole thing. Yeah. So James does some quick math and realizes that Sebastian owns like $9 million in real estate and possessions alone. And in today's dollars, that would be $18,837,819.43. Damn. Right? That's some inflation. (laughs) Sebastian then tells James that it was his boss, the president of the company, Jerry Jasper, who referred James to be his insurance rep as he had requested the smartest, slickest salesman that they had in LA. But there's a catch because Sebastian wants 30% of the commission that James is going to get from signing the papers. Such trash. He basically uses his wealth to strong arm James into taking the deal because if James doesn't take it, well, then Sebastian's just going to take his business to another company. Just, yeah. Like, I feel like that's what rich people do. That's how they get rich. That's how they stay rich and get richer. Mm-hmm. So James counter offers him 20%. Sebastian says no. Eventually, like, the wheels are going through his brain and he's like, fuck it, fine. I'm going to make an appointment for you with a doctor for our company. And in walks the pretty lady from the elevator. Miss Gloria Fielding, Sebastian's hot, very young wife. And who is also not a fan of James's boss for some reason. No. She says she despises his boss, Jerry. And the whole time she is chatting up James while standing next to her husband, she is eye-fucking him. Like, so hard. Yeah, she is giving him some bedroom business eyes. Mm Mm-hmm. She is very smooth, though, and I am kind of taking notes about how she did this, (laughs) but she asks him questions to figure out if he's single and where he lives. Yep. So she's able to find out that he lives in the marina and Mm -hmm. that he is indeed a single man. He lives in a houseboat called Why Not? Yeah. And Sebastian grunts and comments about how he thought that name was real cute until he heard it two to three hundred boats ago. Right. Because he's just the jackass I would point that out. Yeah. So then we cut to some time later and who should show up at James's boat? Why, it's Gloria. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. Has Gloria ever seen a spy movie? Because she's going to his houseboat in like this very fancy dress and coat, Mm -hmm. big sunglasses, and an even bigger hat. And it's like, (laughs) girl, you are not undercover. Right. I also have a note. Did you happen to check out the lifeguard also in this shot? The the girl in the random red bathing suit? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she was a lifeguard. Okay. She had a really nice ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all you <laughs> could see of her, really. But um, <laughs> yes, that was, not, I'm not complaining about that. So one thing leads to another. And when the boat is a rockin', don't come a knockin'. How does that go? Rock the boat. Don't, don't rock, rock the, the boat, boat baby. baby. 
that the don't rock the boat baby probably from Sebastian <laughs> asking his wife not to bang his life insurance sales guy. I also have this. So while they're fucking, I have a question. Sure, yeah. Is like licking the back a thing? <laughs> Yes. Um, Yeah, I noticed that too, because at first, so it's shot, it's backlit. So, you know, they're in, you know, they're in shadow, which makes it very sensual while the sexy saxophone plays. Oh, yes. Is it careless whispers? (laughs) It is is very 90s sexy music. But yeah, and there's a shot and I was at first like, you can't tell what he's looking because it almost looks like her back is so concave it almost looks like an ass crack for a second and then he starts looking and I'm like wow that is graphic for even HBO and then I was like oh it's her back oh Jesus it's her back I don't I don't oh. think anything on HBO has ever shown ass eating but I also no. don't have HBO uh, that's more of a Showtime thing but you know hey. or no I'm sorry Skinamax <laughs> that makes more sense that makes way more sense yes. so after they're done fucking mm-hmm. fucking around if you will Yep. She asked him, why do you want to live on a boat? And you know what? I think his reason is pretty solid. He likes having the ability to get the fuck out of town within 10 minutes notice. Right. Because it just takes a phone call to quit the job, return the car rental. And then he goes on to let her know that, FYI, her husband is super, super healthy. Gonna live forever. Until he's 104. Yeah. Unless... Unless somebody, maybe, perhaps him, should happen to, I don't know, maybe murder him? Yeah, Gloria's not super on board with the idea of killing her husband, but James says he'll do it. But but why does he want to do it? Because she's everything he's ever wanted. Why, James, would you want to be with somebody that cheats on their spouse? Right. And also, excuse me, sir, ma'am, sir, ma'am. <laughs> You two just met. Literally, they met for the first time in that elevator where she wasn't too fond of him. And then they met in her apartment when she had that conversation with him. And then he didn't see her for days because he had been waiting for her to show up. And then they started having this affair. So like, you guys just literally met. And I get it hormones are still pumping. You're sweaty. She looked like she had a very good time. But he's already in love with her and offering to kill her husband. Don't do that. Campers, this is just a word of caution from us here at Camp Creep. Don't commit murder. That's wrong, okay? (laughs) The next scene is a couple of days later again, and we're back at the penthouse, and Sebastian is super excited to sign this paperwork and thinks that they should celebrate with champagne on the balcony. Yes, and I would just like to point out that when he showed up, he rang the doorbell and you could hear the one of the parrots saying hello, 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 hello. <laughs> it was really cute. I'm sure it's not as cute when you have parrots and they're just talking all the time. But as someone who enjoys birds as a novelty, I think it's precious. So Sebastian is outside on the balcony having a grand old time and doesn't see James coming from behind him and then bam throws him over the edge and just before that just so you know james did deliver sebastian his money that was a lot of money yeah i wonder how much he was getting for it i don't know it was it was all in cash i could not see if it was big bills or small bills but i'm assuming they were all big bills 
is a megaton of cash. The thing is, is so when he does get pushed, he doesn't just go over the edge and die like a decent person. <laughs> no, no, he's screaming for help from Gloria. But thankfully, James is an effective killer and gets him to let go and fall to his death. Kerplat. Gloria calmly finishes her beverage before stating that she has to go call the cops and sound minorly hysterical. Right. Minorly. I don't trust her. She's oh, no. too calm. She's way too... She did a 180 real quick. We cut to a little bit later, and the cops are there, and she's got the distraught widow. She's got it down to a T. She's got this little hanky, and she's dabbing her eyes and her nose. And the detective points out that her husband had a 10 million life insurance policy with her as the beneficiary. But... He didn't sign the papers before he was murdered. Oh, no. Womp, womp. But on the positive side is it takes all of the suspicion off of her. And then the cops leave. And that's when she just, again, she's too calm. She's too good at switching. Yeah, that's a sketch as hell. And by the way, then there, there's a weird zoom in on the parrots. Like, it's just a weird moment where we just zoom on the parents, nothing happens, and they just move on with the scene. Like, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> like, I what? see you, birdie birds. <laughs> Okie doke. So she... <laughs> So Gloria says that they're calling it a death by misadventure, which is probably exactly how I'm going to die one day. I was thinking the same thing about yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, my cause of death may or may not be the bear I yelled at in Colorado <laughs> finding me and getting revenge on me. Listen, I dropped a knife twice today. Oh, almost Jesus. hit, Almost having it go through my right, like my shoe twice. Twice, like within minutes of each other. I was like, one of these days, I'm going to be found on my kitchen floor having bled out because I severed some artery on accident. And I'm going to have this anguished look on my face, but not because <laughs> pain, but because I died doing my least favorite thing, which was chopping freaking vegetables. I'm going to get you a food processor for Christmas, just right? so you or know. Just one of those dicer things. Oh, I have one. Ooh. It's actually really cool. Right? Yeah. Like, I like those things that you can, like, do the Julie. I don't know what Julian is, but I think it's those, like, long, you know. No, like the, the things that make like <laughs> potato straws. Yeah, yeah. This is the most adult conversation right? I think I've had all day. That's how you can tell if you didn't already know we're older. Uh -huh. <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> Yo, so speaking of older and life decisions, mm -hmm. Gloria starts laughing and goes over the timeline of upcoming events with James. So they yeah. can't be seen with each other for a while. Uh -huh. but, but then he's going to come over, you know, check in on her, offer her some insurance assistance, uh -huh. a romance blossoms. They have dinner, go to the movies, they get engaged six months from now, and then married a few months later. How romantic. And he tells her he loves her once again, and they get ready to bang it out. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, nothing gets a gal hornier than just witnessing the murder of her husband. Hey. I guess. Not I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> My ex-husband is still alive. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. It's getting real hot and heavy on that couch. And then James gets cocked blocked by the doorbell. Aw, shit. Aw, ding dong dick. <laughs> My favorite part here is when James gives up on trying to put his tie back on before he answers the door and he's just like, ah, 
fuck it, go into my pocket. Right. So <sighs> it is James's boss, Jerry. And he's there to offer words of comfort to the new widow. Jerry is fucking creepy. Oh, he's super creepy. I, yeah. And very quickly, James is like, wait a minute. Why are you here? Did did the murder make the news yet? What is going on? Jerry is then extra creepy about that. You're right. How did I know, James? (laughs) Just like that. Evil laugh and all. Yeah, yeah. I may be exaggerating just a tiny bit. Anyways, so he says the police came and talked to him. They had some questions about James. And I repeat, he's so creepy. Yeah. Gloria comes out of a room and sees Jerry and is instantly pissed off and trying to kick him out. Yes. And Jerry spills the tea. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. So the the tea is, and boy, it is scalding hot tea. Mm -hmm. So Jerry dated Gloria. He introduced her to his friend Sebastian. And then, oops, she accidentally became Sebastian's fourth wife. Oh, then Jerry admits to becoming her stalker, becoming super obsessed with Gloria, which I have questions, (laughs) many questions. If he was to the level of obsessed with her and stalking her, as he says, Sebastian had to have known, but then Sebastian stayed friends with him. I mean, is it Sebastian enjoying like flexing on his friend of like, hey, remember that girlfriend you had? Yeah, you remember that girlfriend you had? Guess what, She's dude? my wife. She's my wife and I totally bang her. I, I feel like he would definitely flex that. Like, that seems like something Sebastian would do. Right. And not give a crap at how upset it makes his wife. Yes. You know. Yeah. Jerry, being the fucking creep that he is, also informs both of them <gasps> that he bought the condo across the street so he could creep on her forever and even bought a camera so that he could take her photo whenever he saw her. Yes. He specifically says he bought a long lens camera. Emily, he just happened to be out on his balcony tonight, taking photos of Gloria out on her balcony. And then he saw Sebastian come out onto the balcony. And so he took some photos. And then he saw James come out onto the balcony, and then he took some more photos. And I I think you can see where this is going. Yeah, Gloria and James see where this conversation is going. And when Jerry says that he has photos of all of this, he already has copies for both of them and his own lawyer. Gloria then tries to attack Jerry, but James is like, no, hold back. Yes, and we need to have a geriatric millennial educational moment here mm-hmm. um, for our, in case we have any Gen Zers that happen to listen. So one of the things he talks about is how he dropped off the film to get developed and was getting two sets of prints. Now, <clears throat> back in the day, photos did not live on our phones and computers and <laughs> smartwatches and tablets and all of that fun stuff. They lived on film. And you had no idea what your photos looked like because we didn't have screens on the backs of our cameras either. You took photos and hoped to God that they came out. And then you would have to drop them off at a place. Either you could save a lot of money and send them out and get them back in like anywhere from two days to a week, or you could spend a little more money and go to one of the one hour photo places and get your photos developed. Unrelated. Uh huh. But one hour photo, yeah. the movie. That's Robin Williams, yes. isn't it? Oh, and it's he's like really... super fucking creepy. Oh, in it's it. so good. It's 
terrifying. He is phenomenal in it. So yeah, when you go to pick up your photos, it was always either you were going to have a wonderful surprise waiting for you or a devastating surprise to find out that you had your finger over like the lens the entire time. I still do that with a smartphone. (laughs) I have taken those, yes. (laughs) So the menfolk negotiate the right to glorious time and body without her consent. And gosh, does that sound familiar? Right, because Jerry doesn't want money. No. No, he's not blackmailing them for money. He wants to share Gloria. And she, yeah, she totally gets cut out of this conversation. But his deal is that he will take her from dusk till dawn, and then James can have her the rest of the day. Excuse me while I vomit in my mouth a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nope, that is valid and disgusting. Jerry, I know I've said this like 10 times so far, but you're a fucking creep. So then the next part is like three months later, and it's James's boozy nightmare of what's happened so far in the episode. And he's at the penthouse that Gloria now owns, and she mm-hmm. gets back and looks pretty rough. Looks yep. She uh she collapses when she walks in the door. My first thought was like, did 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 he bang her this entire time? Because they I don't know that they had Viagra. Viagra in 1990. Like, it, I mean, I, I I'm grossed out and impressed, but also really horrifically grossed out. And then we find that Jerry's kinks have uh, escalated. I looked it up. Viagra came out in 1998. So at okay. this point, no, there so was no Viagra. So it would have been all natural. Ooh, okay. That's, he seems gross enough that he would have a way, though. Right. He would have figured something out. So this time he took her to a grocery store and had her find random street folk to come watch them bang. James says that he can't let this go on anymore. And Gloria points out that... They're both going to die in jail if they come forward with what happened, and there isn't anything he can do to make it stop. Or is there? So then there's like this weird day transition thing, and it's another situation where Gloria comes back to the penthouse in the morning, and there's no one there. It's empty. So she, we now see her on the docks and she's running towards his houseboat. And she enters and she finds him looking pretty dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not dead yet. He's mostly dead. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. <laughs> it's just the flesh wound. It turns out he took 48 of some pill that I didn't write down the name of. Nebutal. Nebutal. All right, Nebutal. It's real. I didn't look that far. So he took 48 of them and he wrote a suicide note absolving her of all responsibility, saying it was his idea. He did it. She's innocent. Blah, 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 blah. And then he dies. Gloria checks his pulse before grabbing the lighter that's sitting on the edge and setting his confession note on fire. Thanks him for being her poor dumb darling. Yes, and then she leaves. She jumps into Jasper's Mercedes. They laugh with glee. We find out that this was all a big setup. This is the longest fucking con. That's a lot of work. 
she had to have she had a lot of sex yeah for, for this and for like what for like okay so she got sebastian's nine million did she though because he didn't sign the paperwork i mean well, i'm sure she well, probably did because she's the wife yeah but. she would have inherited that she didn't get the t- extra 10 million in life insurance oh. so even after like burial and funeral and tax and all that shit, she maybe got like seven million like out of this deal like and then whatever cash sebastian you know that that percentage of commission he dropped off like just a lot of work for like seven million dollars i mean that's life-changing money for somebody like me but yeah uh, i don't know what i would do so yes by burning the letter it just left sebastian's death as is yes as is so that you know and and it's just james's death is just a either an accidental overdose or an intentional suicide nobody knows why oh well and it's fine and then the two of them drive off into the sunrise together and at this point you might be thinking oh gosh that's the end of the episode but wait there's more we are back at the penthouse with the parrot and the parrot says hello jim Help me, Gloria! Ah! <laughs> and then we're back at the crypt. <laughs> and then we get back to the crypt keeper trying to unalive himself. Yeah, I... Oh, boy. I understand they're doing it for the pun and for the joke, yes. but I don't love it. Yeah, I may- maybe, it was- maybe it was funny back in the 90s. Also, I want to point out that you see his feet again. <laughs> <laughs> because they zoom in on the stool, so it's, you know, he's got a rope and a noose and yada yada, and his little feet are on the stool, and you see them as he kicks out the stool from underneath him, and yeah, I don't, I don't even know what puns he made after that, because I was so grossed out, because I saw his freaking feet again, so. Something about, he's unimpressed with hanging himself, <laughs> and I'm like, but dude, you're already dead, I I don't know what you're anticipating here. And then the entire thing was a setup for this line. He also manages to get some weird ass looking scissors out of his robes pocket. And he says, if you find a woman like that, do what I do. And then snap, cut her out or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I got distracted by the feet. That's fair. That's fair. They're so gross and little. Professor Primrose is a disgraced crypto-anthropologist trying to open a doorway through time and space itself. He believes that the lost town of Cherry Creek, a mysterious town whose inhabitants vanished over 120 years ago, holds the key. Is he a genius on the verge of a breakthrough? Or a madman that needs to be stopped from disturbing the dead? That's for you to decide. So assemble your team and let Panic Peculiar Experience take you on an immersive story adventure you'll never forget. Starting near Northville, Michigan, your team will work as the professor's field investigators, and your mission is to collect clues from a cast of strange and peculiar characters. Your team will quest between historic locations as you uncover more about the peculiar legend of Cherry Creek. Part storytelling, part interactive theater. Panic Peculiar Experience isn't quite like any other show out there. Spots are limited, so choose your team and get your tickets today. For more information or to purchase your tickets, visit PanicHaunt.com. And remember, campers, try not to panic! Alright, it's time for everybody's favorite segment. Who's that ghoul? Doot doot! Alright, this episode was directed by 
Richard Greenberg. This episode is only one of three total directing credits. Oh, shit. Yes. So he directed the 1989 film Little Monsters with Harry Mandel and Fred Savage. Aww. Yeah. And a 2003 documentary called The Process. And then this episode. And that's it. Most of his credits in film are for visual effects work which he did on the Olivia Newton-John classic Xanadu, which I've never seen all the way through because no, <laughs> just no, <laughs> just it is a musical. There's roller skates. I, no, 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 no. He also did the visual effects for Predator, where he was nominated for an Oscar for best effects. And then he had a car- long career as a title designer, which I had to look it up. Film title design is the craft and design of motion pictures title sequences. So he did the title designs for Xanadu, Richie Rich, Death Becomes Her, which is iconic, and Star Trek Nemesis. Sadly, (laughs) he died June 16th, 2018 in New York City at the age of 71. And moving on, we have James, who is played by Kevin Kilner. Now, you don't know his name, but you probably know his face. He's one of those, that guy. Like, even when we started watching the episode, I was like, I know I know him from stuff. I know his face. Mm-hmm. So, he got his start on TV in 1989 with a one-off role on The Cosby Show. This episode was only his fourth acting credit. Now, he's got quite the extensive list of credits. He was on such shows as Murder, She Wrote, Earth, Final Conflict, One Tree Hill, Damages, Greek, Happyish, House of Cards, and most recently, The Dynasty Reboot. Oh. He broke into film with Home Alone 3. A classic, question mark? I don't know. I've I, I seen one and two. That was good enough for me. Three didn't even have Macaulay Culkin in it. But hey, no judgment. No judgment. He also did American Pie 2. He's credited as dad. So not sure whose daddy is because I haven't watched American Pie 2 in a really long time. He also did Raising Helen, a Cinderella hey. story with H. Duff. He was also in the film Shop Girl. Fun fact... In 2010, he appeared in a bunch of commercials for Golden Corral. (laughs) The buffet. (laughs) Yep. Rest in peace. Oh, no, this guy's still alive. No, no, no. I mean, Golden Corral. (laughs) I don't think Golden Corral is. I don't know if any buffets are... Ooh, After pandemic. I would not go to a buffet. But listen, no judgment. If you're gross and like to go to a buffet in the middle of a pandemic, that's fine. Uh, so next we have Sebastian Fielding, who is played by Don Hood. He started his acting career in 1975 with some TV movies. Nothing of note until 1985, when my little true crime heart just burst with joy. In 1985, he starred in the TV miniseries The Atlanta Child murders. And then later he was in the TV movie, Everybody's Baby, The Rescue of Jessica McClure. Is that the baby in the well? Yeah, that was baby Jessica in the well. Sadly, he died on March 20th, 2003 in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at the age of 62. I swear to God, that's the end of death. (laughs) Are you sure? I'm sure. 
All right. Next, we have Gloria Fielding, who is played by Kim Delaney. She got her start on All My Children in 1981 as Jenny Gardner. She had a few recurring roles on shows like L.A. Law, Tour of Duty, Philly, CSI Miami, The O.C., ton of true crime sounding TV movies. There are way too many for me to dive into all of them. But she also had major starring roles in shows like NYPD Blue, Army Wives. And she actually, in 2020, joined the cast of General Hospital as Jackie Templeton. I wonder if I can convince my grandma to listen to this episode of the podcast because that woman loves general hospital well if she's a fan of jackie templeton she should anywho moving on next we have jerry jasper who is played by the legendary the iconic michael ironside god he plays creepy well he does so michael ironside he starred in such classics and i am not using the term classics sarcastically here he was in 1981's scanners he was in the 80s sci-fi series v Top Gun, Prom Night 2, Total Recall, Highlander 2, Free Willy, Starship <laughs> Troopers. Like, seriously, I could just, I mean, that was the hardest one to narrow down. I was like, I'm just going to grab just a handful of titles that stick out to me. And don't make fun of me about Highlander 2. Highlander is a great series. Shut up. Anywho, <laughs> I do have a very heartwarming story related to Michael Ironside that I found in the little trivia section. During the filming of Total Recall in 1990, Arnold Schwarzenegger noticed that Michael was constantly on the phone between takes. When he broached the subject with him, Michael told him that he was phoning his sister and that she was currently suffering from cancer. Arnold immediately brought Michael to his trailer and they had an hour-long three-way conversation with Ironside's sister about what exercises she should do, what kinds of foods she should be eating. Ironside has never forgotten Schwarzenegger's kindness and neither has his sister. Oh, I know! And then I have one more credit because it's just, I laughed hysterically. The voice of the parrot is credited. Oh my God, who is it? Is it, is it a person? No, no. I mean, uh, so it is an actress named Deborah Packer. She has a very short credit list. She played <laughs> unhappy patron number one in an episode of Party, Party of Five. And she was additional voices in Babe, Pig in the City. I love her. <laughs> She's my new favorite person. I know. Deborah, Deborah, if you're listening to this, we're big fans of your work. So, yeah, that is this episode of Tales from the Crypt. And now I have a very important question for yes. you, Camp Counselor yes. Tish. Yes. Did you like this episode? No. I would give it like half a thumb up because I thought at least like the acting was good. Yeah. I thought the story was really boring and the whole like, I mean, the twist at the end with the parrot was neat, but like, it was so weird when I was watching it the first time I was going, why do they keep zooming in on the parrot? Why? And like, it's not to the very end that you get that payoff, but I felt like, I don't know. It was just, it was such a weak payoff mm-hmm. and it was just, it was such an elaborate ruse that it was just, I was like, I don't buy it. I don't buy this at all. And listen, I've bought a lot of really weird things that have happened in previous episodes of Tales from the Crypt. And this was like, who would go through that much effort? Seriously. Who? Why? No. There's got to be other ways to do all the things they wanted to do. There are much easier ways, like, to get that money. Like, seriously. So, yeah, that's that's my review of this episode. And what about you, Camp Counselor Lauren? 
I hated it. And I think I figured out why earlier tonight. Okay. So again, I watched it like six times trying to convince myself to like it. But I came to the conclusion that the reason I am personally giving this episode two severed thumbs down is because they had too many characters and they each had like two different names. So James kept being called Jim. Yes. Jerry kept going back and forth between Jerry and Jasper. Yes, that confused the crap out of me. Yes. So like, I thought, I can see where this episode was going. It was pretty cool for like a long con true crime episode, Mm -hmm. I guess. But it's... Not Tales from the Crypt to me. No, no. It was missing that, like, horror element. And the only character I truly cared about was the bird. Yep. Took took the yep. entire show away. Yep. All the birds. There were, there were many parrots, and they were all very cute. And I don't know how to show affection to a parrot. Like, with normal animals, I want to boop them on the nose, but parrots have beaks, and their beaks could snap off the tip of my fingers, so I'm not really sure how I want to approach showing affection to a parrot. Hey, if there are any campers out there who happen to be bird people, send us an email at campcreeppodcast at gmail.com. Send us your burbs. (laughs) Photos of your burbs. I would like to see your burbs. Burbity burb burb burb. (laughs) All right. right. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Oh, before oh. we uh, do our little outro, we do have to keep a promise to the campers. Yes. Do you want to tell everybody who our special guest is? So our special guest for next episode is Steve-O Duckerson. You might recognize that name because that's the guy that wrote our fantastical theme song. And in general, he's just wonderful and does a lot. Yes, he's a very talented musician, talented actor, just an all-around great guy. So we are really excited to hang out with Steve-O and get his thoughts on the next episode of Tales from the Crypt. So campers, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Camp Crete Podcast. And if you want to support the show, you can follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And to tell your friends all about us. You can find us online at Camp Creep Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and the TikTok. And on Twitter, we are Camp Creep Pod. And you can always shoot us an email at campcreeppodcast at gmail.com. And thank you to, of course, Steve O'Dockerson for our fantastical theme music. And as always, campers, creep, creep it real. It real.